You are now entering Frida's world. Join us as we address various issues facing women of color in the workplace. We'll help you navigate your professional and personal life the Frida way. It's Frida's world. Welcome back, everyone, for another episode of Frida's World. Happy Wednesday. Happy hump day. I hope you guys are having a wonderful, wonderful week so far. And so today I wanted to start off the, the show by sharing with you all a highlight of the week. The highlight of the week is something that I adopted from this organization called the Brooklyn Combine, who is doing amazing things in Brooklyn with the younger population. So I encourage you guys to Google them, look them up, find out all about them. Um, I think I've talked about this on previous shows, but my son is part of a mentorship program in Brownsville, Brooklyn, hosted by the Brooklyn Combine. And at first I thought I was going to just drop him off and go about my business, but I've actually now also become part of the mentorship program. And it's very enriching. But this highlight of the week thing is something I adopted from them. And I wanted to kind of start incorporating it in my show where each week I identify something that is a highlight of the week. And I think it's really important that we each do this because it, it allows us to be more reflective of ourselves. Um, it creates self-awareness and it allows us to appreciate and celebrate our wins. Many of us, if you're like me, you know, we do, we, we do things, we keep it pushing, we put on events, we, you know, we show up to work, we do all these things, we win cases, you know, we get promoted and we're like, yeah, it's part of the process. And we don't really celebrate the fact that we accomplished something great. But one thing that I'm starting to realize when it comes to the highlights um, of one's life, it's not always about the promotions. It's not always about the postable moments, right? I got a promotion. Um, I, you know, I won, I won this title or I won this case or, you know, I, you know, I have 1000 followers. It's not always about, um, these postable moments. Sometimes I find like a highlight of the week can be that time when you identify something that you need to work on, you know, areas of self-improvement. I feel like that's important. If you were able to identify something in you this week, you know what, Rita, I really need to work on my communication skills. This week, I realized that I might not be that effective of a communicator. I think that's a highlight because now you identified something that you can work on and ultimately, you know, become better, right? So for me this week, my highlight of the week, I think, was really opening the lines of communication with my son. And it's something that he said to me this week that really opened my eyes to this when he said, you know what, I'm glad we're talking again. I'm glad we're having this, you know, this, 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 um, this time together. So last week, you know, New York City had all these kids out in these streets running around because it was spring break week. And so there was no school. And, you know, I don't have people that can watch my kid all week. I don't have money for these week-long summer camps or, or spring break camps. So my son came to work with me every single day, literally. And he made the most out of it, though. I will say, you know, the kid had his Switch. He had his phone. He was playing Fortnite with his cousin. So he made the, you know, he made the most out of it. And I tried to not make it such a boring week. So we went to go see Little 
in the movie theater, which is a great movie, by the way. Um, and then on Sunday, I took him and his cousin to go to Dave and Buster's where they played around. We ate. I spent money. <laughs> and he had, oh, and even most importantly, he had in a, in a, um, in a performance on Saturday night with the uh, Brooklyn, um, the Hebron, I keep saying the Brooklyn. <laughs> They're based in Brooklyn, but it's the Hebron um Hit Squad, the Hebron SDA Drum Corps, based out of Brooklyn. Um, they had their performance at Nazareth High School. They were the halftime performance of the Franco Haitian, the Northeastern Conference Franco Haitian um, basketball playoff tournament. And he did such an amazing job. Everybody has been sending me text messages, commenting on the video, at just the level of skill that he displayed. And he hasn't even been doing it for that long. He plays the quads and he's so amazing at it. But you know, the last couple of months have been back and forth. It was a little, you know, tumultuous in the Pierre household. As you guys know, he's a 12-year-old boy. He's in seventh grade. You know how it is. His, you know, I'm a single parent. So it's not always the easiest thing. But, um, and there was some periods of tension where, you know, it was kind of like, I come home, I go to my room, he does his thing. And we weren't really having conversations because I was upset at at the way he was acting and he probably was upset that I was not, you know, understanding or letting him do the things he wanted to do. But either way, this week, I feel like we were, or last week, well, I guess this week too, we were able to bond a little bit and it was just, you know, very interesting and very heartwarming when he's like, I don't know where, you know, I'm glad we're, we're talking again. And so, you know, to some people that might be the littlest thing like, oh, okay, cool. But to me, that really was a highlight because it kind of showed my growth as well, too, because I could have continued just, you know, going to my room and just kind of shutting him out and, and just, you know, um, not being available, emotionally available because I was upset that he wasn't doing what he needed to do or that he was acting up and making my life miserable. But you know, I had to then check myself and remind myself that we're dealing with a child at the end of the day, no matter how many things that he does that's, you know, unscrupulous things. <laughs> um, he's my child and he's still a kid. So it's not like they always fully understand the gravity of their actions. And so that was a highlight for me for this week. So before I go into the meat of the show, I just want to give a quick um, announcement. So Frida Women NYC, I like to call it the parent company of Frida's World Podcast. We're having a Mother's Day sale. Mother's Day is around the corner. Today is May 1st. It's the first of the month. Uh, May, uh, Mother's Day is around the corner. Another like what week or two. And so Frida's Women, Frida Women NYC is having a Mother's Day sale, 50% off all of the accessories. The promo code is MOTHER. So I wanted to go on and share that. And I also just wanted to discuss really briefly as well. So a lot of people, you know, as I'm gaining more followers, more, you know, um, loyal tribe members to the Frida's World podcast, um, Frida's World podcast, you know, came about through Frida Women NYC, which is a fashion brand, it's a fashion accessories brand, and we use fashion as a platform to promote and instill confidence in professional women of color. And that's how the Frida's World podcast came about. And that's why it's called Frida's World out of Frida Women NYC. But one thing I wanted to address, because I know that, you know, um, a lot of people have been like, maybe some somewhat, I wouldn't say somewhat confused, but just, you know, wondering you know, how 
Freedom Women NYC, where we have a podcast and we also have a blog and we're also doing events. Um, and at first I was also kind of dragged into this state of confusion, like, huh, you know, what, what exactly, you know, I don't want to come off confusing, you know, am I doing, am I, am I going about all of this in the right way? Am I creating some sort of like, you know, I don't know, confusion with, with the fans or with the customers and with the followers. But this morning, as I was preparing for this show, I thought to myself, and when I reflected back on the event that happened last night, which will be the meat of the show today, I was like, no, you know, one thing I realize as I'm getting older is that I cannot allow people to create lanes for me. I have to create my own lane. And hope that people <laughs> will follow. And if they don't, they don't. But I have to get out of the habit of, cre- you know, f- you know, I guess following other people's paths and, you know, I guess following the lanes that they've already drafted out or fall into what is considered the norm. So I'm saying all this to say, you know, the Freedom Women NYC, it's more its more than a business. It's more than an accessories business. It's a movement. It was always intended to be a movement inspired by my grandmother, Frida Sinteus, Lord rest her soul. And she was a woman of many talents. And I believe that I am a woman of many talents. And I believe you guys who are listening to me are women of many talents. And sometimes... You're not, you can't just focus on one. And I think society wants us to always think that, that you have to pick one avenue. You have to do things in one specific way or else you're going to confuse the masses. I'm starting to realize that that is not true, at least for me. Um, Some of us, many of us have many talents and have many, many things going on. And I don't think there's a problem in merging as long as they make sense, obviously, as long as things flow within each other, I think, you know, you're capable of doing that. And so the idea behind the accessories line is to create or to curate um, items and accessories that are appealing to the professional woman. And that will give them that boost of confidence that sometimes, you know, accessories <laughs> provide, you know, when you look good, you feel good. But Aside from just, you know, dealing with the exterior and the external look, I also wanted to work on, you know, the inner, which is why there are professional development events, where there, why there are personal growth develop, uh, personal growth events, why there are professional development events um, that occur within under the Frida Women NYC umbrella. And one of the ways that you know, we address the professional and personal growth is through the podcast. And so although I've created a separate Instagram platform for Frida's World, because I do recognize that, you know, there is the business of accessories, but then there's also this, um, in a sense, this business of the personal and professional um, development. Um, everything, everything still has the same theme promoting and inspiring and instilling confidence in women, whether it be through accessories, whether it be through personal development, professional development, which, you know, manifest themselves in a way of blogs and podcasts, but that, um, they all, they all kind of, they all fall under the same umbrella and they all serve to accomplish the same purpose. It's just some people might be more interested in the accessories piece, while other people might be more interested in the 
um, podcast piece and the blog um, aspect. But I definitely wanted to address that. It popped into my mind this morning. I'm like, I feel like I need to speak on it because um, I know that I'm up to something. And sometimes that something is not so clear to everyone in the beginning, but then at some point everything falls into place and it becomes clear. Every day I try to strive um, to be better and to make, you know, to make things make sense. I'm an individual who loves things to make sense. <laughs> things have to make sense to me. And when they don't make sense to me, sometimes it's, uh, but I try to make things make sense. And this is starting to make sense to me. This, this whole process, this whole free to women NYC process and the Frida's world podcast process. It's all starting to make sense. And it's all starting to click that this is really one movement. It's one movement. Um, it has, you know, one mission. It's one purpose. And I believe that the target group, you know, the individuals that are part of the Frida Women NYC movement, part of the Frida's World movement, are one and the same at the end of the day. Um, but I did want to, I did want to touch on that because I, fi- I feel like there are several of you out there who are probably going through the same thing when it comes to your business. You might have two or three components of your business, and you're being told that you got to pick one or you got to figure it out. Um, but I'm here to tell you that you might not have to pick one. You might be able to make everything flow. It's just, again, trying to make sure that there's a common theme, a common thread within your different ventures. Um, I don't know why, but I feel like I had to share that. Hopefully that inspired somebody and hopefully that resonated with somebody this morning. But to get to the meat of the show, so today is going to be a recap episode of last night's event, which was hashtag surviving your loved ones. And so I know on previous episodes as a commercial, I did talk about this very briefly, the importance of talking about sexual um, assault within the community. It's something that we don't want to talk about. It's something that, you know, we, I don't know if we find that it's taboo to talk about, but there is this like, I don't know, aversion to talking about important issues in the community. Unless it's dealing with a celebrity, we really don't want to talk about it. And I think it's time that needs to change. And so last night's event was very inspiring. Um, it, it gave me hope that, you know, even though you know, we didn't have like a million people show up last night, but the people that were there were engaged. They were interested. And I saw people taking notes, pulling out notebooks, taking notes as to what was going on. So it gave me hope that we really can start to make strides with this particular topic in our community. And so I definitely wanted to shout out um, the Brooklyn District Attorney's Office for sending representatives from the Special Victims Unit, the Domestic Violence Unit. They were part of the panel and... They were amazing. Um, and I also wanted to shout out Canva for um, sending a representative as well. And also for um, having Audé Scarnett, who has been part of this show in the past. She's no stranger to Frida's World, Frida Women NYC platform. But Audé Scarnett and I, as I've said before on, on other episodes, we are you know former colleagues. We used to work together at the Brooklyn DA's office. She as a victim's advocate and myself as a prosecutor, And she now is the founder of um, Ascension Advocacy, which is an organization, an LLC, a business that, um, you know, serves the community. And, you know, it's 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 been a couple of years now and she's been doing amazing things, serving as a a consultant, 
a victim's um, advocate for people within the community, uh, specifically with um, issues pertaining to domestic violence, teen dating violence, sexual assault, and whatnot. And so this panel, this robust panel, um, I think, I mean, I couldn't ask for a better panel, to be honest. It was amazing to have these individuals um, take time out of their day to address you know, an, an issue that's that's so important. And I know many people might say, well, you know, a lot of them are involved in this field, so it was nothing for them to come and do this. But to be very honest, when we're talking about people's time, um, you know, I always appreciate when people take time out of their day to be part of community events. Because, yes, it's true that they you know, they're in this field and their job is probably dealing with sexual assault victims and, and things of that nature. But, you know, when you're dealing in this world as your main job, the last thing a lot of people want to do is on their spare time and free time, engage in such a heavy, heavy, um, you know, um, topic and engage in a heavy field. You know, it takes a lot of energy. It's draining um, dealing with victims because it's, it's, there's a lot of high, st- I mean, the stakes are high, I guess. The stakes are high when we're talking about victims. Um, it's very draining because of the emotional um, energy that you expel when you're working with victims. It's not just, you know, they come in, you, you, you take their complaint or you, you know, Uh, give them advice and then you call it a day. Like it can be very emotionally draining because some of these topics are very, very heavy. You know, when an individual is coming to you and talking about how they've been molested or raped by their parents um, or even stranger rape, I mean, these are emotionally taxing um, situations. So I really... um, I really commend them, the the panelists, for taking more time out of their day to essentially, you know continue working. Um, But like I said, last night's panel was amazing. The panelists were great. And I think what was really important, again, to me was that individuals who were the spectators were actually engaged and involved and intrigued by what was going on, by the the comments that were being made, um, and by the questions that were being answered. And so... There were a couple of takeaways from last night's event that I wanted to share um, with you all today um, and that that I thought were points of great importance. And so the first one being there needs to be more of these conversations, like there need to be more of these conversations happening within our community. Each question, each comment last night, like just created more and more questions. I mean, the layers were... I don't know. I feel like it was, I feel like each question had like five different layers that we needed to peel. But because of time, obviously we weren't able to delve into a lot of these subtopics. There was so much to unpack last night. And again, it just, I guess came, it just made me think that, you know, we don't talk enough about these topics. We do not address these issues. There should not be so, I mean, this was, this event was a general, you know, event in a sense we were going to, we were focused on childhood sexual abuse, but you know, it was kind of to define some terms, um, talk about some of the rhetoric that's out there, kind of demystify a couple of, you know, points. Um, but it was just interesting to see, you know, each comment just had like five sub comments, five subtopics. Um, 
And although the event went very, very smoothly, I think everyone did walk away thinking, wow, there is so much work to do and there is so much more to talk about on a more micro level. Um, And so the second thing that I noticed about last night, and I guess the reoccurring theme is that the community needs to break this code of silence that we have among ourselves. You know, the streets have this no snitching code, right? You see something, you don't say something because you're not going to be a snitch. In this culture, um, this, you know, no snitching culture, this, this, I, I see something I'm not going to say this. I see something I'm not going to say something culture. It needs to come to an end because we're hurting the community. The code of silence does nothing but allow for further victimization of our children, of our loved ones. Um, it provides an out many times for the abusers because we're not allowing them to accept responsibility or to take accountability for their actions in the community. So it's definitely something that we need to figure out how to put it into because it's not, it's not doing, it's, we're not really protecting each other by keeping silent. I think another important point that was made last night um, addressed the question of reporting. Um, oftentimes, individuals who have been victimized as a child now that they're an adult they have the courage now to move forward they have the support to move forward and they want to um, bring their abuser to justice but oftentimes people you know have in the back of their mind is it too late is it too late to now you know bring a cause of action to bring a criminal case against my abuser and You know, I think it was great to have, again, the representatives from the DA's office there last night because they were able to speak to this, you know, and I think the takeaway from their conversation was always report, you know, let the agencies tell you that the statute of limitations have run up and that it's too late, but always report. It doesn't hurt if you feel, if you feel compelled now to move forward with the case, you know, sometimes just making the report um, is you know, leads to a cathartic experience. Making that report is maybe the closure that you needed. Even if you don't go through all the way, but you made the report, you took the first step, that might be enough for you. Um, But I think it was really important to address this particular um, topic of reporting and statute of limitations. One thing I would say, especially in New York State, you know, they're taking this sexual abuse um, issue very seriously. And there have been a number of laws that have been created and passed to support individuals who were victimized as children, um, whether it be at the hands of organizations, you know, Boy Scouts, church, etc., and have, in a sense, given them a time frame to now make reports against um, these institutions and these organizations. And so there, there are, you know, I think the community and society are making great strides in this particular area. And there, I feel like there are going to be more laws to come. And I think it's really a recognition that, you know, when these things happen to you as a child, you don't really have the power at that time to, 
you know, point your finger to the accuser and say, you know, he's the one that did this to me or she's the one that did this to me and move forward with a cause of action. It's not easy. If you think about how children are in general, in terms of their thought process, in terms of, you know, their their autonomy even. And I think these laws are taking into account that these children were not able to report these acts while they were children, but are now giving them an opportunity. They're giving them a voice even to move forward as an adult where they do have the capability and the capacity to um, confront their abusers and to bring, you know, and to bring forth justice, um, I think that it's I think that's a great um, step in the right direction. And so, again, for those of you who are wondering, is it too late to report? Whether it be, you know, for yourself or for somebody you know, it's it's not to say that it's never too late to report, but there's no harm in reporting. And if we if if you know we're not able to move forward, or if if there, there isn't enough to, 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 to proceed with your case or if too much time has elapsed, then, you know, let, let somebody tell you that. Don't assume for yourself that that's the case. And along the same vein with, you know, always report under the guy, you know, with respect to, I guess, the, the, the individual who's been victimized, for those of us who are, you know, caretakers, those of us who are, have access um, to children, we're working in daycares, we're working in facilities that house children. Um, even if, even if you're not working with children, even if you're walking down the street and you happen to see something, if you're a neighbor and you happen to hear, um, something, there's something called anonymous reporting. And I feel like people forget that this is an actual thing. It's an actual tool to report something anonymously. I totally understand individuals not wanting to get involved in what's going on in these streets. Um, and it's not because we're not humane. It's not because we're horrible people. But a lot of times people can't afford to be dragged in to other people's situations. And so that prevents a lot of people from reporting. I mean, I remember there was a time where if I saw something in the street, I was just like, oh my gosh, I am not trying to be a witness. I am not trying to be a witness. I don't need, you know, 5-0 coming to my house asking me or subpoenaing me to, 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 you know, to testify in case, in a case, you know, like a lot of people are afraid of that. They're afraid of having that type of spotlight shown on them. And it prevents people from reporting crimes that they actually see or hear. And so I think that anonymous, this anonymous, um, reporting mechanism is totally underused, underutilized. People are not utilizing it and I'm and I'm wondering if it's because there's not enough um, of an awareness about it I mean yeah we'll hear we'll see a, a flyer here and there or you might hear a um, I don't know some sort of commercial about it but I think that there needs to be more of a push to you know explain what the anonymous calling process is and to just highlight that the fact that you can you know you can still say something and not necessarily be dragged into the process, especially when we're talking about child abuse. If you hear something, if you see something, if you're a caretaker at a daycare and you notice that something is going on with a child, you can call anonymously 
you know, you, it's, I feel like, you know, and, and sometimes I'm guilty of it too. And it's something that we, you know, I need to break out of this whole, again, it's, it goes back to that no snitching culture. It goes back to the, I don't really want to be a part of this culture. I want to stay out. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be involved in somebody else's downfall culture. I think at some point we need to come, we need to nip that in the bud. We need to come to the conclusion that, you know, in order for our society to really move forward, in order for us to really engage meaningfully with each other, we need to truly protect each other. And sometimes protecting somebody is maybe sending them away or maybe, you know, having them receive the treatment that they need to, you know, to get better and to... um and to rehabilitate in a sense. So I think that the, I think that that was definitely something that um, was really important last night. The, the conversation regarding anonymous um, reporting. And the next thing I would say is, you know, for those individuals who, um, who have been victimized and who are survivors, um, get therapy. Therapy is something, you know, I swear by, um, it's something that I feel like is very important for the community, especially the community of color. We have been oppressed. We have been stomped on. There have been so many different things that have happened to us as a whole, but even, but you know, more importantly, as individuals within the community. And we need to talk about it. And so sometimes traditional therapy is not is not for everyone. You know, that one-on-one with a therapist might not be appealing or might not be comfortable, but there's something called group therapy. And I think that uh, part of group therapy, you know, what it aims to do is it does aim to help the individual heal, but it also puts them in a setting where they are surrounded by other individuals who have gone through the same struggle and can share meaningful experience, meaningful tips, and can be part of the healing process. And so I think it's really important to highlight that therapy is something, although I think the community is doing a great job of talking about it more now, we're seeing more, um, there are more strides and there are more, um, there are more, I guess, avenues for therapy within the community. Um, but it's something, you know, we're, we still have a lot, you know, a lot more work to do. We still have a long way to go when it comes to that. But I think that anybody who's experienced any type of trauma, they need to get some sort of therapy, whether it be group therapy, whether it be individualized therapy. Therapy certainly is the key in order to truly heal and to move on from your experience. And I would say the last thing that, um, you know, we all took away from the event last night is that we need more male advocates. There is a shortage of male advocates when it comes to this particular topic. Traditionally, let me not say traditionally, I think for the most part, people, when they think about sexual abuse, they think about women. They don't really think about men being victims. And I think that 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 thought process definitely does a disservice to the community because there are a lot of men who have been victimized. There are a lot of men who are suffering, um, And there's not enough support for them out there because for the most part, the support, I wouldn't say it's not intentionally directed toward women, but I think because there are a there's a shortage of male advocates out there. There's a shortage of information geared toward men. I don't think that the, um, you know, the, I don't say narrative, but I feel like the movement is not necessarily doing a good enough job at you know, targeting men. 
there are organizations who are out there now who, you know, are starting to to do that, like a call to men. But I find that, you know, even with the event that I had last night, I was actually really uh, fortunate and, and really grateful to have a male counselor on the panel to, you know, share his experiences. Um, and I think just seeing that there was a male on the, on the panel definitely kind of like, you know, shifted the viewpoint a little bit. Um, but it just went, it just goes to show that there are not enough male advocates out there addressing the issue. And I feel like a lot of men, because they don't see, um, the male advocates and they're not seeing the, that, that they are being targeted. They don't feel that they are included in the conversation because it's mostly women. I feel like that is doing a disservice to the population of, of male individuals who need to heal from the, you know, from their experiences as well, who need um, their issues to be acknowledged, to be addressed. And so I would definitely encourage if there are male advocates out there, which I know there are, you know, maybe get together, figure out how can we um, target, do a better job of targeting men who are also victims of sexual abuse. And how do we create that conversation? How do we start that conversation? How do we create men groups? Um, how do we, you know, how do we reach out to this population and let them know that, you know, they're part of this conversation as well too, and that there are services for them. Um, I think it's really, really important. And that was definitely a big takeaway from last night's event. And so overall, like I said, this event was a really great event and it's definitely going to be the first of many. Um, I think that it definitely opened the door to several subtopics that, you know, we were able to maybe briefly touch on, but we were not able to really go in depth with. Um, so I definitely plan on having more, um, I guess, focused conversations. Um, I definitely plan on partnering with other organizations um, and really just, you know, highlighting this, uh, this topic and really starting uh, meaningful conversations around it. And hopefully these conversations could turn into some sort of, you know, maybe solutions. I don't like to just have talks. I like to have think tanks in which we get together and we think about how can we do better? How can we move forward? How can we um, really push this narrative that, you know, we need to, this, 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 this uh, veil of silence that we have within our culture, that it needs to stop and that we need to really, um, in order to, you know, really heal, we need to start um, not just, you know, talking about it, but being about that change. And so this was the recap of last night's event. Again, shout out to the Brooklyn District Attorney's Office, Ascension Advocacy, and Canva for being a part of this event. And also to those of you who actually came out and participated, thank you so much for even taking the time out of your day for being part of this very important conversation. And so before I end this show, I just want to remind you all to please subscribe, rate and review the podcast. We are available on all major platforms. So Spotify, Google Play, um, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. We are on all of these platforms. Tune in. So definitely um subscribe, rate and review. Give me your honest feedback. I definitely, you know, I um I live, I can't remember the phrase, but I thrive. There you go. I thrive off of constructive criticism. So definitely share your thoughts with me. And please don't forget to follow us on social media. Frida's World Podcast. You can find us on Instagram 
at F-R-E-E-D-A-S underscore world. And also, if you're interested in learning more about Free to Women NYC and um, the different events that we do and our accessories, accessories, um, follow us at F-R-E-E-D-A Women NYC. We're on Instagram, we're on Twitter, and we're on Facebook, and our website, www.freedawomennyc.com. So thanks again for tuning in this week, guys, and that's a wrap. Talk to you guys next week. It's Frida's world. Classy and ratchet at the same time. You clash it. Like you love church music, but you f with future, that's clash it. It's Frida's world.